and we are back for another episode of Storytime with Stu. I'm your host, Stuart Hardy, and I'm super stoked to be diving back in to Romance in Marriage, Keeping the Flame Alive by Bob and Jobeth Hooker, two people who traumatized a whole lot of us Hiles Anderson College students with their tales of perfection and their condescending behavior and bullying while we were just trying to stay alive <laughs> and find a person to marry and find a ministry and find the will of God and and grow up and they lorded over us and it, it wasn't fun with Bob and Joe Beth. I'm not saying I actually have I'm trying to remember who it was. I wouldn't out them, but I've got one or two people who have told me, you know, Bob and or Joe Beth were kind to them or they, they were appreciative of how they treated them while they were at Hiles Anderson College. And I don't take anything away from you if that was your if you had good experiences with these two people. However, this book is thoroughly problematic at best, and I'm enjoying reading it. I'm enjoying this whole series that we're doing of Storytime with Stu. Um, I think for me, by the way, I visited Lynchburg, had a great time with a friend, Lauren Kuiper, and she gifted us this bottle of, ooh, a bottle of uh, Single Barrel Select. It's actually an Eric Church edition. And we got she got it engraved for us. I don't know if you, yeah, you really can't see it now. Uh, it says, Stuart Hardy, not your mother's podcast. Yes, the apostrophe is left off because we only had so many characters. We ran out. But I don't know why I'm telling you all that. <laughs> Uh, it's good whiskey is what I'm trying to say. It's good and smooth. I'm enjoying the series because for me it is very affirming to read back through these books and understand just how inundated we were with the propaganda that the IFB pumps into you from a very young age. It helps me in some ways kind of process like, oh, okay, it was as crazy as I thought it was. So I hope it does the same for you or at least is in some way beneficial for you. And so... Just a quick breakdown of if you're only watching this for the first time, uh, Bob and Joe Beth Hooker have a ministry now. Uh, he is a pastor of a church someplace. I can't remember exactly. Uh, Bob, if you want to drop a comment, let us know where your church is. <laughs> Go for it. Anyways, but if you went to Hiles Anderson College or if you were in the Northwest Indiana area and you were a member of the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, you know who Bob and Joe Beth Hooker are. They came from, I believe, Tennessee. Uh, I believe he was some sort of college staff, uh, not unlike uh, Pete Cowling, before they came to Hal's Anderson. And they were, he ran the sailor ministry. She, I don't know, I don't think she was dean of women, but she was definitely had an oversight type role for a lot of the women that went to Hal's Anderson College. And they wrote a book that is supposed to help married couples uh, stay in love and. Uh, keep the flame alive, as they say. I think you get the the, <laughs> the gist. So there's three different sections, and we're going to be reading from, I think, the fifth chapter of each section. I'll confirm that when I pick the book up. But each, they have a section for men, for women, and then for couples to read. And it's kind of their idea of ideas that you can use to um, physically and uh, emotionally continue to engage with your spouse post-marriage. So one thing I always like to say as a caveat with this, some of these ideas, and they're mostly presented as ideas, some of these ideas really do make sense. However, when you put them into the vacuum, if that's the right word, that is the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement and the standards that come with it, they don't. 
there's ideas about you know going to a local um, a local s- sporting event. Well, guess what? You can't do. There's beer. That's a problem for the IFB. So you can't actually go because beer is served there. I wasn't allowed to go to Pizza Hut because Pizza Hut served beer. I wasn't. It was a rule. I got in trouble my freshman year of college for going to, I think it was Applebee's. I know it was with Josh Griffin. How dare you, Josh? <laughs> but it was Applebee's or Chili's um, I got in trouble for going to because it was a bar and grill. You could go to a grill and bar, but you couldn't go to a bar and grill. So if they're serving alcohol at the sporting event, which they are, you can't go. If there's cheerleaders, you need to leave during during their cheerleading time. Or you need to look away. Or again, it's very problematic because when they'll give some of these ideas, it's sometimes it seems like a good idea, but in practicality, within the independent fundamental Baptist religion movement, what have you, cult, it doesn't work. So please keep that in mind as we read romance and marriage, keeping the flame alive. So I believe we're on chapter five. We are on chapter five. Um. Whoa. Okay, so they like to start and end with like little tidbits, quotes, snippets, what have you. And this one is just loaded with a problematic verbiage. Chapter 5 starts with, Many a domestic explosion has been touched off by an old flame. I can't wait to get into this chapter. (laughs) Sounds like how to have an affair. So, starts off, of course, with some scripture from Song of Solomon. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Oh, vehement. That's one of my favorite Bible words. That's a, such a fun one. Each section has a different purpose. So the first section is for women, second for men, and then third for the couple together. So we're starting with the women's section. Observation number five. I wrote in the previous chapter that man is an incomplete creature. Woman was designed to complete him. That's your only purpose, ladies, just so you know. Man's three greatest needs are one, to be wanted, two, to be needed, and three, to be trusted. I don't think that's accurate at all. I'm not saying men don't desire these things, but in that order and those three things being it, I don't agree. (laughs) Each of these needs finds its fulfillment in one of three areas, spiritual, physical, and emotional. We dealt with spiritually, now let's look at emotionally. What do I mean by emotionally? You may say about your husband, Mrs. Hooker, my husband is the most unemotional man I have ever met. Most men are not emotional, as a woman defines emotional. Oh, this is going to be so bad. But he is not without emotion. In other words, he is not likely to cry over a sad story like a woman or get angry when his hair won't do right. What the fuck? Ladies, do you get angry when your hair won't do right? What is this shit? (laughs) But he is an emotional creature, nevertheless. How? Most men, by nature, are very insecure. I won't disagree with that. If a man wasn't insecure, he would not have gotten... What? If a man wasn't insecure, he would not have gotten married. What the fuck are you talking about? He would not need a completer... And he wouldn't have needed you. I take offense. By emotional, I mean that every man wants a cheerleader. Someone in his corner who believes in him. He desperately wants to feel that he is needed. I don't disagree with that. And he needs to hear praise. It depends on your love language, but yeah. For the needs he has met. 
It is a wise woman who lets her husband open the door for her, carry the heavy boxes, change the oil in the car, or fix the flat tire. Again, it's the patriarchy. It's women are weak and can't do shit, which is not true, and men are the shit who need to take care of everything. By making him feel she needs him, even when in her heart she believes she could have done all the aforementioned things quite effortlessly, then do them. <laughs> She's completing his emotional needs. By making him feel needed, she unleashes a tenderness that, those just didn't go together, that causes him to be more concerned about the protection and provisions of the home than he ever was before. A self-sufficient woman who does not purpose to need the help of her man may find herself without him at all. What? I am not asking you to pretend to be some sort of weak willy. What's a weak willy? I need, I'm going to have to urban dictionary that one. That's a new one. Or to be a priss who won't, who will not do a little work for fear of breaking a fingernail. She ends with an exclamation point. I'm suggesting that you open your own door, carrying, uh, carry a heavy box, fix a flat if you have to when he's not around, but be willing to step back and let him care for those needs when he is around. This is so toxic. <laughs> Frankly, I love it when my husband opens a door for me, pulls out my chair, or carries my bags. It makes me feel loved, and it puts me in a romantic mood. I love sh Okay, that's all it takes. Good to know, Joe Beth. It makes me feel loved. I love chivalry. And chivalry, for a man, is his way of being romantic. No, not I'm not saying no entirely, but not for everyone. Don't begrudge it. Accept it and praise him for it. Okay. Wow. Again, she's telling you this is what you have to do. <laughs> if the wife does not meet this need... Satan will send someone along who will. Don't let a day go by without an expression of gratitude and appreciation. Again, this is super problematic. Another dangerous emotion is jealousy. Oh, here we go. Trust is the foundation of a strong marriage. Where there is not trust, the marriage is on shaky ground. That's not untrue. If there has ever been an incidence in your marriage to cause distrust, then you must go the extra mile to assure your partner that it will never happen again and prove it with your actions. Oh, so... <laughs> it's too much. You will never experience the complete satisfaction of a truly happy marriage apart from learning to trust and being trustworthy in your relationship with each other and with other people. Oftentimes, a wife is not even aware of the fact that she is causing distrust. I think if you're causing distrust, you know it. Some ways to cause distrust. Oh, she's going to tell you. That way it's all explained. <laughs> Are eating lunch with a man who is not your husband. I, 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 okay. So having lunch with someone who is not your husband means your husband shouldn't trust you. I don't think you have to break that down. Got it, Joe Beth. Got it. Calling another man's home, even if it is about business, without your husband's awareness that you're doing so, creates distrust. Writing a man a note of appreciation without signing both you and your husband's name to the letter. Yes, I remember this one. <laughs> Letting a man into your home when it is not an emergency situation and your husband is not at home. This is just, to me, this just speaks to the toxicity that is embedded in us from the time we're children to not trust other people, even your spouse. 
I'm not saying you got to trust everyone, but your spouse, you got to be able, or, or your significant other, your partner, you've got to be able to trust. If you can't trust them for minor things like this, Again, this speaks to the bigger problem, right? If if something like this is is allowed, as Joe Beth is saying, to set you off and suddenly you can't trust your wife because she wrote this guy a note of appreciation that she works with or that helped her out or this neighbor mowed the lawn for you guys while you were out of town and she wrote a note and didn't sign your name to it too, that means she can't you can't trust her. That speaks to a bigger problem. Right? I don't see how it doesn't. Ugh. Riding in a car with a man alone in order to have a ride home. Just say riding in a car with a man alone. Like that's, if you need a ride home, you need a ride home. <laughs> Buying your boss coffee or waiting on him hand and foot, but not doing the same for your husband. Good God. Is it 1943? Is this a John Wayne flick? These and many other things can cause distrust. Okay, so a blanket statement. Anything can cause distrust. <laughs> Ask your husband what bothers him. Agreed, but like it doesn't mean you can fix it. If you are doing something that bothers him, do not make excuses for your behavior. Quit doing it. <laughs> Whether there is no trust, where there is no trust, there is no relationship. Do not allow anything or any person to harm your reputation with your husband. Proverbs 22.1 A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. I don't know. I can go for some silver and gold. Just saying. Tip number five. One method of expression is not enough. Most of us settle into a model that's comfortable. While it's easy, it becomes boring to your partner. <laughs> if you tend to be verbally oriented, work on being action oriented. In other words, do it. Don't just talk about it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Sorry. If you are action oriented, work on being verbally oriented. Talk about it and do it. Again, this is all, the majority of this is acting outside of your relationship or away from your relationship with your significant other. That's silly. Talk to them. Talk to them about how they, uh, how they express and receive love. Like, why would you, oh, I have to do, this to me, this is the wife saying, well, you have to do everything. Well, no, you don't. You have to figure out your partner and what they want. And how you can express that to them. Not have to, but should hopefully want to. There are four steps to accomplishment. Plan purposefully. Oh my God, who? This isn't Joe Beth. This is Pete Cowling or Ray Young or even Jack Hiles, but I've heard this before. Plan purposefully. Prepare. <laughs> There's too many P's, and I've had too much to drink already. Prepare prayerfully. Proceed positively. And presume persistently. <laughs> I, I can't. That's way too many bees. Idea number five. Speaking of pursuing, I like the idea of pursuing my husband. Try kidnapping him from work and taking him to dinner. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> We're trying to get something in by a deadline and you want to kidnap us. All right. Or try this. Leave a taped message for him with the words, play me, written on it. Record the Mission Impossible theme music. Then disguise your voice and say, okay, look, this book, <laughs> the technology to do this stuff was not around when she was writing this. Like, like now, yeah, with iTunes and GarageBand in five minutes, you can have this done. But back then, this is a whole production, and it's going to take you a day to do it. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Disguise your voice and say, your assignment, should you choose to accept it, what if he doesn't choose to accept it, <laughs> is 
to have a rendezvous with a mysterious insert hair color here beauty meet her at insert place at insert time i suggest you take on the role of a suave debonair business executive don't be late again they were working too hard just to be in love like that should tell you everything you need to know about these two then meet them at the designated place at the appointed time too hot okay too hot to handle here we go too hot to handle don't be stingy with caressing run your hands and rinse your mouth in hot water before going hang on I'm trying run your hands don't be stingy G <laughs> sorry it says don't be stingy with caressing run your hands and rinse your mouth in hot water before going to bed or anytime you feel the urge coming on to be touchy uh, Listerine makes more sense like if that's what you're trying to do it's more tingly right like, I don't know whatever I'm just saying this, this is so weird alright and then a quote from Beverly Hiles what life each day means to you is not determined by what life brings to you but rather what attitude you bring to life what the fuck does that have to do with anything I just read about the secret rendezvous with the debonair businessman you guys are confusing the shit out of me. All right, this is for the fellas. Chapter 5. Ten steps to keeping the flame alive. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto your wife. Yeah, that makes sense. As unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. God, Peter, you could have... I don't know, someone should have written that in a less confusing way. Anyways... About a year ago, I read an article from a secular magazine. Bob, why are you reading secular magazines? That's... That's wicked. Nine Steps to Keep the Spark Alive. Oh, this is how we got the idea for the book. By Lawrence Staines. He commented that a lot suffers with the passing of time besides the loss of hair. He didn't have to tell me that. Yeah, Bob, we know you're bald. I will be too. It's whatever. He said that years of work-related stress, pressure to get a job done, or simply striving to get ahead could take a toll on the best marriage. To keep those home fires burning, he suggested some of the following ideas. I'm going to add some thoughts to this. You see, my wife and I have been married for almost 24 years. Damn, how long have they been married now? There is virtually nothing we haven't experienced or waited through at some point in our marriage. Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. The following is a tried and proven list of techniques that I know will keep the spark alive. I personally have used every single one. According to Mr. Stain's research, 2,101 women believed they are pretty good ideas, too. So, I'm going to share some of his ideas along with mine. It's called plagiarism, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> Date your wife. Never get so busy that you cannot enjoy an evening alone. She wants and needs to get out of the house. Yeah, we, we all want out of the house. She wants and needs to feel like a woman. Not a mom. <laughs> okay. Again, the, the lines they draw are, are, they try to draw them too black and white. And there should be more gray, in my opinion. She wants and needs to be able to get dressed up, put on her makeup, and do her hair. Don't make her always have to plan the date, either. Take the stress off of her. You plan the date sometimes, including making the reservations and calling the sitter as well. Give her plenty of compliments, especially if she is a stay-at-home mom. Okay, interesting distinction. You have been at work, interacting with people all day while she has been at home. You may be her only source of appreciation and praise. 
She needs more sources then. Not trying to be unkind, just you need more sources. Don't underestimate the job she does or take her work in the home for granted. She is not receiving pay for the work that she does. So let her know how much you appreciate everything that she does and specifically name things like her job as a mother, a wife, or a friend. Don't make common general statements. Be specific with your compliments and mean what you say. Okay, again, this is all predicated on the patriarchy. This is all predicated on the husband, the man. This is all Don Draper shit, right? Like, this is all based on the woman has to stay at home and, and, and be a mother, and the man has to go to work every day in the paper mill or wherever. It's not based on real-life shit. It's based on this is how you're supposed to be living, and so this is how it should go. Surprise her. Occasionally, catch her off guard by giving her something a little unexpected, like a favorite hot drink, <laughs> a funny card, a flower pick just for her, or a back massage. Little things like this say, I love you. Again, it's very condescending to me to read stuff like this. It's really basic shit. And for me, what I take away from a lot of the stuff that I read from these two is you're a dumb person who can't figure out what your spouse, your significant other likes, wants, feels. And so let me tell you how they're feeling and what they want. And then you can do exactly what I say to make your marriage better. Fuck that. That's bullshit. Don't make every caress a warm-up to the intimate marital relationship. Again, condescending. No shit. Like, anyone is going to know this. You, we all know this. I have previously said, and I will say it again, you cannot touch your wife too much. Yes, you can. <laughs> the problem is some husbands don't touch their wives at all until they want to be intimate. Sex. You don't, you don't have to say intimate. You can say sex. But because it's Bob and Joe Beth and IFB can't say sex, got to say intimacy. A wife needs to be touched when there are no strings attached. Ways you can be touchy might include, oh, God, he's going to tell you how to touch your wife. This man is going to tell you how to touch your wife. Got it? Okay. <sighs> Resting your hand on her knee. Wow. I'm so dumb that I don't know that I can put my hand on my wife's knee. Hang on. I need another drink. Even Toby knows to put his hand on Pam's knee. Are you kidding me? All right. Office reference. Holding her hand in public. Patting her on the shoulder as you are walking out the door. You're grasping. Giving her a quick hug from behind when she's in the kitchen. Or holding her when she's having a bad day. She will be much more apt to be favorable towards intimacy, sex, if you have been touchy at times without expecting anything in return. Next one, meet her needs in the bedroom. Be sensitive to her needs instead of hurrying to fulfill your own. Yeah, I agree with that. Women need more time than men to get warmed up. That is not a universal truth, but whatever. <laughs> Strive to make the sexual experience as pleasurable for her as it is for you. If she has never experienced true fulfillment, <laughs> did she come? Like, that's what you're trying to say, man. Just say it. If she's never experienced true fulfillment, it is your fault, not hers. There is as much pleasure in knowing your spouse has achieved satisfaction, came, <laughs> as there is in getting satisfaction. It is worth every effort to accomplish. No shit. Kiss more. Women like to kiss. It's a big turn on to them. Plan to do it often. Why is he saying this stuff? I don't understand. Like, girls like to kiss. Everyone likes to... Are there people out... I'm not saying 
everyone everywhere likes to kiss. But for the most part, if you're in a relationship with someone, you want to kiss them. That's not like, oh, girls like to kiss. Boys, not so much. What? <laughs> a woman's motivation for intimacy, sex, is found in her thought processes more than physical contact. I'm not a woman. I cannot speak to this. I'm, again, I don't think it's a universal truth, but whatever. For a woman, being romantic is largely dependent upon what she is thinking about just before she goes to bed. As stated in a previous chapter, if you just talked about finances, oh yeah, the checkbook in the bedroom, that's right, finances or problems before bed, her mind is not going to be on you. You need to find ways to motivate her to think romantically. <laughs> Don't demand or expect her to be the sole creator of those thought processes. Learn to be creative. Try complimenting her. Who is who who is out there not thinking of complimenting their spouse? Who are you? <laughs> Why in the world? This would be a good time to praise her job as a mother, a friend, or a wife. Perhaps you could do something fun like grab her, sing in her ear and dance around the room. Unless you can't dance and you have a shit voice, then that's not gonna work. You're gonna go the opposite direction. Make her laugh. Do keep romantic love songs only a fingertip away and use music to spark a mood. Light the candles in the room. Pull out a gown for her to wear. What the? This is unreal, okay. Suggest a hot shower for her to relax in and start the water. What if she doesn't want it? He just ran the water for nothing. Caress her. Tease her. Playfully tackle her and subdue her. I just... Did you hear what I said? What I read? Playfully tackle her and subdue her. You, just... Just... I, that's what he wrote. I didn't... That's what he said. Okay. <laughs> Kiss her a lot and get her focused on you. Get her focused on you. Yeah, okay. Learn to discuss your intimacy more in terms of relationship than the pleasure of physical contact. In other words, instead of talking about your physical needs, talk about how much you enjoy having someone with whom to share your life. Talk about how much you like your company, how much fun you have together, how you would rather be with her than playing ball with a bunch of men, or hunting or traveling, and mean it. This does not mean you have to give up doing any of those things. Good, Bob, because you got to be at Sailor Ministry at 6 on Saturday at 6 a.m. Just concentrate on making her feel that she is more important than any of those things. So lie to her is what you're telling me. That's what I'm reading. Women are relationship-oriented. She will appreciate you more if she feels there is more to life with you than just being an available body. Yeah. This will enhance your relationship and keep the spark alive. Next one, don't concern yourself with who is doing more in the relationship, you or her. This I agree with. There should not be a price tag on doing for each other. Unselfish living means not keeping score of what's done or not done to keep the home fires burning. Keep those fires, keep the flames stoked, Bob. <laughs> Sorry. You just die to yourself as Christ did for the church. No, no, no. Like, again, I was agreeing with you, and then you're like, oh, die to yourself. Just be miserable. That's terrible advice. If you're miserable, they're gonna the, the other person in your relationship is going to figure that out. It's a no-brainer. Decide to give 100% no matter what, and keep an optimistic outlook all the time. No one keeps an optimistic outlook 24-7. That's not a thing. I wish it was. 
But speaking from experience, relationship or not, you're not always going to be optimistic. Don't tell someone to do something that is ridiculous and impossible. Optimism about your relationship will help to promote a longer-lasting, happier marriage. Besides, God can't lie. He promised that you would reap what you sowed. If you sow unselfish giving, you will reap unselfish giving. If you sow unconditional love, you will reap unconditional love. God works that way. Trust Him and believe you will be very pleased with the results. Don't try to solve every problem. Agreed. Men hate to see women cry. It's unnerving. Oh, how dare you cry? <laughs> I was. It's funny. Every time Bob gets me and I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, he undoes it within two sentences. <laughs> the typical response is for us to solve her problem so she won't cry. However, this is not always a good rule of thumb to follow. For one thing, if she really wants a solution, she will ask for one. Most of the time, when women are upset, they don't want a solution. They want a shoulder on which to cry. Simply hold her and tell her everything is going to be all right. What if it's not going to be all right, Bob? Let her spill her guts. <laughs> what movie are we reading a script from? Even if it sounds like her problem is directly related to something you did or did not do. Don't get defensive. Use restraint. The issue during an emotional outburst. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> is not over who is right and who is wrong, but in getting her calmed down. <laughs> what did they Just calm down, woman. <laughs> Never take an emotional outburst personally. When she is calm again, then talk it out. He's treating you like a, like, like this is the Hurt Locker. Like, <laughs> you're in the Hurt Locker now, Popper. That's what I'm seeing. Oh, my goodness. If there's a legitimate complaint, it should be dealt with when neither of you are angry. There is no time like the present to decide to put all the above principles into action. If they have worked for me, and they have, I can guarantee they will work for you. Tip number five, when she has been, oh, this is on losing weight. This ought to be good. Hang on, let me get another drink. I'm going to need it. When she has been trying hard to lose weight, help her by not making her fix you a dessert. When were you ever making her fix you a dessert? Fix your own goddamn dessert. Go to Dairy Queen. Oh, my God suggesting a late-night snack, or bringing her home a candy bar. If she's on a diet, why are you bringing her a candy bar? What is wrong with you? <laughs> no. It will be easier for her to lose weight if she feels she is not fighting the battle alone. Offer to walk with her, exercise with her, or to eat salads for a week with her. A week? It's a lifestyle change, bro. If her willpower isn't strong, then help her stay out of the kitchen by not making her feel she has to please you by creating junk food dishes or desserts. Has this guy not ever cooked himself anything? Bob, I know you watch these. Did you, back in the days, like, did you not make any of your own food? Dude. Okay. Perhaps you could offer to make your own dessert. Or create your own snack. Oh my god, go to the store and buy your own snacks. Or maybe just eat healthy. I know that sounds crazy, but come on. Maybe you could forego eating and lose a little weight yourself. There you go. All right, good, Bob. At any rate, your support and encouragement will mean a lot to her. Idea number five. Set up an exercise chart for both of you. This is not getting any better. And have a set time every day when you work out together. If using weights is not feasible, then go for a brisk walk every evening. That's not, that's, no. After dinner. Walking is a great stress and tension reliever. It, depending on your health conditions, maybe. 
You will sleep better at night after walking, too. Ah, he's, he is a scientist now. A biologist, if you will. Plan to, too hot to handle. Plan to spend one morning in bed. Turn off the ringer the night before. What ringer? What is it? What is this? Don't answer any phone calls or check the email. Have the children stay somewhere else for one night. Relax and rest. Let the sunshine coming in the window wake you. When you wake, don't move right away. Again, this is some Ray Young shit. Like, you don't need this step-by-step -step process of how to treat someone. Snuggle each other and enjoy. When you decide to eat, get up and fix each other a breakfast. But then, take your breakfast back to bed and eat it there. Cuddle some more and savor an uninterrupted morning together alone. Or just don't have kids. I don't know. <laughs> like this, I don't disagree with this idea, but it's like, well, you have to have kids. So it, when once you have them, this is how to to not have them ruin your morning. Just don't have kids like that. <laughs> it's pretty simple. And then there's a quote that says you have to know the ropes in order to pull the strings. Uncredited. All right. Next one. Again, chapter five. This is for this is for both. Yes, some surefire ways to spark your dating life. Song of Solomon. Here we go again. Five sixteen. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. Observation number five. It is amazing the ideas you can find if you want to bad enough. Try one or more of these. Write "I love you" in lipstick on the bathroom mirror. Please don't do that. That is so hard to clean off. Not that anyone's ever wrote, written I love you on the bathroom mirror, just I'm a girl dad, there's always shit on her bathroom mirror, so go easy on the bathroom mirror stuff. Plan surprises. Become an artist of your relationship. Am I that drunk or do I, I don't understand that. Be a kid again. Go to a local playground and play on the swings, the slide, the merry-go-round. Treat yourself afterwards to ice cream. Okay, get the cops called. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Take a walk through the woods. Carve your initials on a tree. The most romantic way to let someone else know you own a knife. Play a board game together. Build a model or a piece of puzzle together. Camp out overnight. No thanks. Cook over a fire. Watch the sunset. Roast marshmallows. Again, condescending as fuck. Like, this is not... You need to know your part... You, you've got to know whether or not your partner likes these things. Like, this isn't like a big surprise. They like to camp outdoors or don't. Go bowling or play miniature golf. Oh my god, this is a long list. I'm going to go fast, okay? Go skiing together and ski at least one slope, holding hands all the way down. Please don't do that. that, that head trauma inbound. Go fishing together. Share one rod and cast together some of the time and get a, a lure stuck in your face, but whatever. Learn to say I love you in a different language. Eh. Rent a motorcycle. Take a ride in the country. Find a pond and feed the ducks. Learn how to ride a motorcycle first. Pick up the book entitled The Art of Kissing. Find a secluded spot and go parking. Okay, that's it. That's the end of that one. Go to an oldie store and find some favorite old love songs. Again, inside the IFB, those songs are not allowed. But okay, make a tape of those songs, then play them before you go to bed each night. Hunt together. All right, Bob. <laughs> you, finally, you mixed it in there so that people, so it wasn't the first thing. Good God. Borrow a small twenty-two rifle or a bow, an arrow set, and go shooting. Go golfing together. Ride in the cart. Tell him he has to teach you how to swing properly so he'll put his arms around you. Forget how to swing often. Okay. All right. Give each other a back massage. Use massage oil when you do it. I can't with this guy. 
Since French is the language of lovers, go out to eat at a French restaurant. Take two French-slash-English dictionaries with you, one for him and one for you. Talk to each other in French. Choose a French nickname for each other and use them on future dates. What 1927 movie did you pull that from? Create a gourmet meal together. Set the table with China and feed each other. <laughs> so lame. Have a fancy dinner engagement together and dress formally for it. Compose a song. Pen a poem. Write a love letter. Get up with the sun. Watch it rise. Enjoy coffee and time together instead of hurrying out the door. That was all one idea. Tip number five. Romance expresses love. Love creates intimacy. Intimacy enhances trust. Trust builds confidence. Commitment is the cornerstone of monogamy. Monogamy flourishes with romance. Richard Godek said that. Hope I pronounced your name right, Rick. Idea number five. Take this simple test to find out whether or not you are romantic. Ask your partner, or better yet, watch his reaction to your romantic overtures and determine for yourself. If he passes out, there is a good chance you should be doing more. What the fuck did I just read? I don't know. That confused the hell out of me, Joe Beth. You're going to have to come up with me with some more info on that. Okay, too hot to handle. Don't be chinzy on your nightwear. Save your money for some exotic outfits. I'm sure this is for the guys. Give me those exotic outfits, fellas. For example, buy a teasing bunny outfit for Easter, a sexy Santa outfit for Christmas, a seductive costume with a mask for Halloween. By the way, we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween, but okay. Or perhaps a racy leopard outfit for whenever you feel want to feel exotic. This is for the guys, right? Not the girls? Or is this for both? I don't know. I'm confused. You didn't tell me. Or ask him. Oh, it's for the girls. Okay. Ask him to pick out an outfit the next time you go shopping. Strive to purchase it when he is not around. Get it when he's there. He's going to like it all the more. I don't understand. Then surprise him. There is nothing like keeping a man guessing. Yes, there is. Okay. Any idea is a funny little thing that won't work unless you do, is the quote. I am so, like, there's some funny stuff there. But I am thoroughly confused by that, that last chapter. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you enjoyed chapter each fifth chapter for Romance and Marriage, Keeping the Flame Alive. That shit was wild, and I would love to hear your feedback on it, and can't wait to read the next chapters in each section, because shit is nuts. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. I enjoyed it, clearly. <laughs> But I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast.